You are listening to episode 265 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Brian. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we've got an axe to grind in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Golden Axe on the Sega Genesis. And, um, you know, I kind of found it interesting because we had discussed potentially playing Golden Axe on the PS3 and then doing like a comparison. So that might be one of the next games we play here in the future just to do that, like while it's fresh comparison of two titles. Yeah, I really uh, just wanted to check out something from that list of Sega remakes that they're working on that was just announced at the Game Awards. So uh golden axe is one of the ones we hadn't played yet so fun to uh see where that came from i've not really had much experience with golden axe before yeah i've beaten golden axe in the past the uh you know arcade so going to an arcade and like just playing it through uh so it's <clears throat> it's definitely a short game it's uh it's about an hour at most so i mean we've realistically if we were together in person we probably could have knocked it out you know, pretty easily because it's not it's not a super difficult game. It's hard as like one player. Yeah, it was very difficult, I thought. <laughs> yeah, like I actually it's in my opinion, it's actually much <laughs> in my opinion, it's much easier to play it on uh, on an arcade cab than it is to play on a controller, mm-hmm. you know, or using a D pad. And so I was playing on the Retron and using the little joystick on the Retron was like kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, in comparison, if it was at an arcade, because it's mainly because of the uh, the running component, right? So when you're trying to do your quick run, it's hard to like with the Retron joystick, like tap tap to the right or left uh, mm-hmm. to do your run. Whereas with a joystick, you're just kind of like slapping it really quick and, yeah. and you're good, right? So definitely a little that's one of those games that like I prefer to play it on an arcade cabinet. I mean, um, I played it on a Switch, so... Yeah, so probably just as difficult of a time. Uh, but we'll get into that a little later for a full-blown review. But uh, first, you can find the Game Deflators at thegamedeflators.com, our currently up-to-date website. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. We're on there, so you can check out older episodes, some shorts that we might have, unboxings if we got them. And, of course, you can find us on social media at the Game Deflators on Instagram, Facebook, and Threads, and then at Game Deflator on, or Game Deflators on x uh, you can also find us on podcast apps all around um so just leave us a five-star review and check us out on apple spotify etc so recent pickups i see you have nothing i actually had nothing this week as far as pickups are concerned from multiple areas um so let's dive into what we're currently playing and yeah for what me, are you here yeah the update not very much on tales of symphonia um You've been you busy. Know, I've been busy. Uh, I did play a little bit the other night and right now I'm level grinding is what I found. So Why? I got, so I'm just finding like a tough time with some of these enemies. I don't know if it's because I'm not playing, you know, defensively the right way. If I don't have the characters configured, but I'm finding I'm in this, like this ruins level right now. Mm-hmm. So I went through, um, you know, Lloyd was captured and yeah. then you end up going through that whole scene of the uh, Zions, right? Um, so you go through that whole situation, you go back to the city that was kind of the in between 
and Ven are like, oh, we got to go to these ruins. I'm like, okay. So I go to ruins and I'm getting like wrecked by certain enemies. And I mean, I'm level 12, so it's not like I'm a low level in the, in the game. I've got all the armor that I can pick up, like in terms of higher end armor. Yeah. I've got swords, like the damage is what it needs to be, but I'm just getting demolished. And I don't know if it's a level grind component, if it's just I'm not playing it the right way. I'm, I just reset the settings on the characters before I fell asleep the other night in level grinding um to to kind of have at least like one character sit back as support to heal and then having the other characters kind of go out and do their thing and attack so i gotta kind of tweak some things around maybe that'll help buy some more items so i can go deeper into this dungeon and or these ruins and get that uh figured out but that's really where that landed um mario wonder we're still playing we ended up finishing whatever level we were on last week uh, we got to the next level or world, I should say. So we've got two more worlds to complete before we get to Bowser. And then we've got uh, the special world that we got to get into and, and start I heard doing that it. That's a lot more of a challenge. Yeah, that's I think Barry had told us that too. So it's supposed to be a, a little bit more of a challenge. So I'll probably be the one that ends up playing that. My wife enjoys platformers, but she doesn't enjoy them that much. Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where, you know, you want to throw a controller. Uh, but it is much easier to play for pro controller. So yeah. I, I do like playing with that in comparison to, you know, the original Joy-Cons on the little controller setup. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where things are right now. Um, my friend has been in town. And so last night we did play a little bit of Smash Bros on the, uh, on the Wii U. Uh, so it'd been a bit since I played Smash Bros on that and had some good fun with that. We actually got to a point where we were playing all of our old characters that we normally would play in the past. And, um, you know, had some fun with that and then decided, well, let's just play randos. You know, let's see what happens by just putting random characters. Yeah. And uh, it was funny, you know, seeing him like struggle with certain characters he's never played before. And I'm like, well, I mean, I think like one of the characters he played Mega Man, who he's never played. I was playing Lucia, who pretty much mirrors Marth and all those other characters in Fire Emblem. So like I was solid on that. And uh, I think there was one where I was playing Duck Hunt and he ended up playing Mr. Game and Watch. Oh, um yeah. And so he's like, okay, if Mr. Game Watch, but I'm actually pretty decent with Duck Hunt. So mm. that was pretty hilarious. And then I think the one that he beat me on randos was I was playing as Donkey Kong. And I don't remember who he was playing, but uh, he had a faster character than I did. And so Donkey Kong, who I absolutely despise using um, versus so whatever fast character. I, yeah, I hate using Donkey Kong. I use Diddy Kong, though. Yeah, I have no issue with him. Diddy's fun. Uh, but I did lose my Diddy Kong matchup with him. He was playing Pikachu, and that's his main character, is mm. Pikachu. So, yeah. So we had some fun with that. And uh, I guess the other thing is I caught up on a little bit of One Piece. I watched um, episode 1086, uh, which you'll get to it when you get to it, right? Because you haven't finished Wano. And it was hilarious uh, watching, because I had read that in the manga, actually, that particular scene. And I remember it being pretty funny when I was reading it, but seeing it like on the anime was great. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that and how everything it, it I'll tell you it involves buggy. So mm -hmm. that'll give you something to look forward to. Yeah, I figure buggy's always going to come back around. He's an important character. Yeah, yeah. So it was the whole buggy situation. I was just like I was laughing so hard as I'm watching like everything happen because buggy like I mean, you've seen he he always gets himself in these crazy predicaments and then like fun things happen to Buggy, like things yeah. that you would never expect. And he's always this like character running away from <laughs> everything. And yeah. uh, it's just so funny to see like his character develop. So, um, yeah. So if anybody is watching One Piece or keeping up with it and you are on that, uh, definitely leave your comments on on your thoughts there. 
passing on to you. Uh, so this week I was just so enthralled. I couldn't put it down. I beat Sea of Stars. Did you really? Yeah, dude. Like a 40 wow. hour RPG right before the end of the year. <laughs> I love that you haven't beat Pikmin. Yep. <laughs> but you knock out Sea of Stars that quickly. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. It was just so compelling and so good. Uh, I was so torn at the end there too. Cause I was like, okay, I'm at the end here. I can either go do a bunch of stuff so that I can get the secret ending or the true ending or whatever. But it's got like, there's a couple of side quests and some extra boss that you have to do. And I already did one of them. Um, and I wouldn't have really a problem with doing the other one. I don't think, I think that would be fine. The problem is there's like many games, you know, these chests that you have to collect these like collectible items out of scattered throughout the world. There's 60 of them. Damn. And organically playing the game, I only collected 36. And I just don't not have it in me to go through a 60 chest list and still have to go pick up 24 of them and yeah. like to go basically every spot just to check it off the list. Mm -hmm. like, I was not in the mood to do that. So I was like, I'll just do the regular ending. I mean, the game is so generous in all of the ways that you want an RPG to be good to you. Like, it's like, oh, hey, here's a, a, a save. You can just, right before you do the final boss, you can just load this save and go do all the extra stuff if you want. Here's, a, here's kind of a reminder of some of the stuff that you need to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's the best game. It's got like... Uh, character swap mid battle that doesn't take the turn. It just lets you like change the character that you want. Uh, so, it, so it's a nice entry level type of RPG for gamers. I mean, I would say that it's just fantastic. Like it's got um, timed uh, action combat, like you know the Mario RPG series does. It's all on just one button. Uh, it's really generous where it's like, Hey, you know, this has this timed combat mechanic, but it's not like crucial. Like don't get hung up on it. If you don't get it all the time, there's all these different, uh, runes that you can get or relics. I think they're called that let you toggle on and off like certain difficulty modifier things. Like I went through the whole game with this one on. That's just like, it automatically times your block 30% of the time. I still hmm. manually try to do it every time. So I don't really know, like, eventually if it's me doing it or if it's the system doing it. And if you don't know when the block timing is supposed to be, it kind of lets you kind of figure out when the block timing is supposed to be. And it, you know, doesn't necessarily make it easier. But, you know, there's lots of different ways you can modify this and just have a really good experience for yourself. Gotcha. Um, the story itself is just so good. The characters are great. Um, it's tied in slightly with the messenger, which was one of my favorite games of a few years ago. Um, yeah, I just, I can't recommend this RPG enough. Uh, it's on game pass. So if you have game pass, check it out there. Uh, it's just, it's really fantastic. Yeah. Then, I'm, I'm curious ahead. about the physical copies. So apparently, they said this is back in August. Mm -hmm. It says I am 8 bit will release a physical edition of Sea of Stars early 2024 is what they're saying. 
So, and it looks like you can get physical copies from uh, Japan, but that's about it. I haven't seen anything else since then. Yeah. Yeah. Physical release next year is what it says. So I'm excited. Uh, I definitely am going to get a physical copy of it, but I'm just waiting. Like that's, yeah. that's how it is for me. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely up there. I mean, I guess we'll do like our game of the year stuff, like the last week of the year or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is definitely in the running for that. And nice. then I haven't played Pikmin, but I'm getting close to Pikmin. Uh, I guess one thing I didn't put on here, I went back over to my buddy Zach's and we reflashed the games that I put on my Zelda game and watch. So I put a, I took off uh dragon warrior monsters for the game boy. And I took off um, Pokemon yellow and we put on a randomized uh, Pokemon crystal instead and monster in my pocket <laughs> good god man and shinobi too because oh, so in gear capabilities too that's why you brought up shinobi too yeah so, okay so then you do have the capability of playing it yeah oh so then yeah well, totally. i mean i don't have wide access to some of these games because it's like unlike other things this device when you want to change what's on it like I have to open it up, I have to solder wires to the board, and then we have to hook it up to a Raspberry Pi, and then like flash the memory. It's like a oh, whole yeah. process. That's that's kind of frustrating. I've done it twice now, and I don't anticipate wanting to do it a third time. Gotcha. Well, what you need to do is get like, if you do it a third time, you need to get one of those like NES games that has like multiple games on one cart type of thing. Well, I did put the uh, Game and Watch Gallery. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you got multiples there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, um, let's move into a little discussion topic here. This and interesting. Uh, I didn't even hear about this. My wife was listening to it, and I just heard Luffy in the background in Japanese. She's like, oh, that's disappointing. And I'm like, wait, what? It's One Piece. How's it disappointing? And it just has, you know, it's a Netflix trailer that they released today, actually. And so I probably about 12 hours ago at most. And no, it wouldn't have been 12 hours ago. It would have been probably about eight hours ago that they released it as of right now. And it's basically, it starts out with like Oda, like, you know, drawing and sketching and all this other stuff. And it says, it talks about like, you know, a new adventure and all that. And it has kind of, uh, it talks about like, it has Luffy kind of discussing, Oh, I need to find a crew and all this other stuff. So she thought it was like a season two announcement because it's a special thing. Well, it's as part of a 25 year anniversary, Netflix is essentially uh, remaking the One Piece anime. And so they're going with the studio that is behind Spy X Hunter, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're like updating like new visuals, new everything. And from what I understand, it's going to be basically, you know, when you had Dragon Ball Z and then you had like DBZ Kai, is that correct? The shortened version? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically that from my understanding, like you're looking at they're saying that one piece is just so long. It's hard for people to get into it. It's hard for them to get past like that hump of, you know, from where it's good to where it's, you know, great and where people really get invested. So they're trying to it sounds like they're trying to cut out a lot of the like excess from that, which makes sense. You know, if you're trying to get people into it and they're going to be calling it the one piece. 
Uh, so instead of just one piece, so there's a differentiation as people are looking to watch it. But from my understanding, it's being released next year is the plan. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where my stance now is probably different than my stance would have been um, a while ago. So, I mean, looking at the Shonen Jump app, there's uh, 1,101 chapters. Looking online here, it looks like the episode count is at 1,088 episodes. Mm-hmm. so and that goes up through the end of wano right uh yeah actually that is going into now um the cross x guild let's or see cross or cross guild i think is what it's called okay so episode 1084 was the end of wano yep okay so, so there's only been four episodes since then yeah basically. okay so i mean there's definitely chunks in the anime because you've watched all the anime that are places where they were like, okay, well, we got to wait for Oda to like make more stuff. So let's just throw some extra fake One Piece stuff in here that's not a part of the manga. I yeah, mean, it's, I mean... Not, it's just extra One Piece for the anime. So if they're going to make a version that's going to have a higher budget and better animation, because like I know you've been raving about how good the animation and stuff is now. Mm-hmm. But like when you look back at the original One Piece episodes, like when did those come out? Like that was so long ago. Like yeah, I, I mean, watched those here they, in America in like the mid early 2000s. Yeah, they came out in 99. Right. So, I mean, you're talking like it's kind of like watching The Simpsons when you watch episodes of Simpsons from the 80s or I guess like 89. Right. And then yeah. you compare what happened over the last like 30 years of The Simpsons in comparison. It's a very similar you know, I mean, they're on, I think, season 35 on The Simpsons right now. Something the animation on those is very different. And so it's yeah. similar to and I piece. love old animation. It's no yeah. knock against it. But yeah. like if they could go back and use modern all that stuff to make one piece and just do what's in the manga, because like the thing is, if Oda does so much groundwork laying things that are important hundreds and hundreds of chapters later on down the road that it's like there's really not a lot of fat you can trim from like the essential story but there's probably stuff that you could trim from the anime just because you know the nature of anime is always playing catch-up to the manga or waiting for the manga yeah and so i mean when you look at the list of like one piece filler which i mean everybody should do right i I watched the filler because i enjoyed it and i had nothing else to do um, but like, there's tons of sections that are just like filler, like it's just straight filler. And then there's anime canon and then there's manga canon. Yeah. And so obviously manga canon encompasses a lot of the one piece episodes and then anime canon is obviously, okay, we needed to fill in a little bit of stuff here, but it's canon to the overall story, but it's not exactly canon to the manga. It's a filler, but it's not a filler type of thing. So I do think there's a lot they can do there. I just, I don't know how they're going to truly condense certain episodes you know like they every single episode has some sort of component tied to it like you said that hundreds of chapters down the road reflects that so, I mean, maybe you could look at things like alabasta like that arc and you know how can you cut some of the fat with certain interactions that are occurring on the boat right before they get to alabasta like what can you do there or even in alabasta what can you cut out like i can see where they can well, do that 
but there's so much important info. Yeah, but I mean, there's stuff like, so just looking it up here, it looks like this was from B-Bomb in October. So this is pretty recent. Among the 1,070 episodes, anime series has 9% filler arcs, amounting to almost 98 episodes. So, I mean, if you cut 98 episodes off of where it's at now, that puts it still at almost 1,000 episodes that you're looking at. So, I mean, like, how much are you really saving and how far are you going to take this down the road? Yeah, and then are you going to anger... Certainly, you know, it's different when you consider and you don't want to take a lot of fight scenes either because those fight scenes are actually pretty good. But I get it right. Like they could theoretically take out, um, you know, fight scenes like they did with Dragon Ball Z, um, you know, into making Kai and taking out like the power ups and all that stuff. But and you could just animate them to be more effective. Yeah. Like just really crank up the intensity and make it shorter. Yeah, but then what are you doing in terms of voice acting? Are you using original voice acting audio and then just kind of superimposing it onto this new animation? Or are you bringing in, you know, new voice actors? Uh, which then that's if you're recasting, I mean, that's an iconic voice now. Yeah. So like if you're recasting that voice or voices throughout the entirety of that anime in a remake, I mean, that's that's a whole separate thing in itself now. And I just don't know how people like I think with Dragon Ball Z Kai, it's all the original voice actors, right? There's no. No, all they did in Kai, I think, was just like. Yeah, they just cut. Just cut out like all the fire tornadoes on Namek. Yeah, they just cut tons of stuff, right? That like they felt was too much. So are they going to do that with this new animation? Are they going to, you know, it's newly animated, but we're going to cut certain aspects and then we're going to put that audio from the original into it and maybe amp up the audio quality as well from 99 to what it is today. Probably not, you know, so it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see, but sorry, go on, go on. Doesn't one piece suffer from that thing where they like every beginning of the episode is two minutes of the last episode kind of regurgitated to you yes so like if you cut that out that could save you a bunch of runtime if you really streamlined it and i mean the biggest point that they make in the article here is just that like because one piece is such a phenomenon worldwide now like giving all those people a chance to onboard again from the beginning with something new and, you know, be able to go back and maybe address things and make them a little more different. Like maybe there's things they could do in anime now that they couldn't do back then as easily or as effectively that they can really, you know, ramp things up. Like what if the Arlong fight looked as cool as like the Wano fight? Yeah, I mean, I can see that being you know, a net positive. But another thing to consider here is let's just say they took out the intro. They took out the outro. uh, They took out the little preview for the next episode because truly episodes are about 17 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So let's just say you make it 30 minutes an episode on Netflix, right? You take out all the fat on the front and back ends. Um, Maybe you trim out some of the fight scenes, all of that. We're talking 25 years of anime being remade. Okay. I think it's season 25 technically or season 27. No, it might be season 21 technically. Um, But you're trying to take 25 years of episodes and say they do condense it and it's 30 minute episodes and maybe they don't cut out a ton of fat. How are you going to get 
that many episodes released in a timeline that's like adequate. Well, you Netflix know? is going to be around forever. And like, that's the thing, because they're just doing stuff that's like already been done and there never has to be a stopping point and Netflix releases like batch stuff, they can just say, okay, we're going to just go like arc to arc and we'll be like, all right, here's 20 episodes this year. Uh, maybe Alabasta is, you know, longer. So they're like, okay, here's 25 episodes this year. And then they just go year by year releasing arcs that are as long as they need to be in the amount of time that they have. And they just go with that many episodes. But then you have to take into consideration cancellation of it. And then also to consideration of, you know, let's just say well, like it's not going to be successful. I mean, the thing is, I, I think unless like all the really hardcore people really turn and hate on it. But the thing is, like with One Piece, like there's not that fight between like the manga and the anime. Everybody wants both because they're like you get so much more from it's just more one piece yeah and you just wrong with just more and the manga translates so well into the anime anyways um Mm -hmm. that it's not like you're cutting a ton out there as well so i mean when you get a lot of benefit from the anime you don't get from the manga that's true but you know let's just say you do cut out a number of great scenes and you have your hardcore fans like no this is garbage i'm not going to watch it plus a lot of the hardcore fans have already watched it right they've already seen up they're already caught up like i'm caught up right um So what I could see happening, though, is like entry, like new entries into viewing One Piece. Uh, And I I know we'll we'll cut out to our articles here in a second because we're going to go over talk. We do this all day. You know, you're going to have these new entries into watching One Piece who are going to get to a certain point. And your hardcore fans are going to say, hey, now that you're on that arc, you should just pick up off the normal anime. Right. You should just go from there like, oh, you've already you've watched what would have been 350, 400 episodes of One Piece. You're at, I don't know, we'll say Water 7. You're at Water 7 now. You're going to get more from just watching it from here. Right. Or to the point and maybe Netflix, maybe this is what they're doing. Maybe they're doing it entry level for a little bit, kind of remaking to a certain point, making it easy. So that way, fans, when they get to that, they can pick up what they've already bought or what they have rights to, you know, playing on Netflix because they do have a number of episodes on Netflix. Yeah. So we'll see huh. long term what happens with this. I'm definitely curious and I don't think I'll rewatch it unless, you know, the anime or animation just blows me out the water and I can somehow convince my wife to watch it with me. Yeah. Which well, I, I don't think either happens. Well, the, <laughs> the anime animation will blow it out, but I don't know about her watching it. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, in other news this week, we have some uh, a fantastic tale coming to a tragic end uh we put the final nail in the coffin for e3 and then hasbro celebrates an amazing year of gross growth with mass layoffs gross is probably about right yeah yeah it's uh yeah it's been a another week with a lot of craziness and we'll start off here with uh talking about fantastic and the day before Yeah, so uh, if you've listened to prior episodes, you've heard us talk about the day before, which was supposed to be uh, this massive open world post-apocalypse type of situation. So uh, this article is the day before uh, Studio Fantastic announces closure days before 
or days after early access launch. You see, there's too many days before yeah. days after. <laughs> uh, and this is Alex Stedman at IGN. Uh, so really, you know, we talked about this where people said, is it real? Is it fake? Is it going to be a con? What's happening with this game? They're stealing. Like we saw videos where they literally had like things of Last of Us tied in, right? Mm -hmm. Like the building mechanics on like modifying your weapons. And so they really hyped this up to be like this open world type of game. And then during the beta phase, it turned out it was an extraction shooter is what it ended up being. And it was nothing like what they were promoting in all of their videos. And so people were like, what the hell? So they completely blasted this thing in beta, um, you know, or early access launch, well, right? They didn't have uh, like an open beta. Their whole beta was just like internal. So yeah. like nobody really got to know what it was until they did this launch. And when they did the launch, they even like removed the MMO tags and the um, survival tags from the listing on Steam. Yeah, so they really just kind of adjusted what they felt they needed to do to make it fit the bill, right? So they wouldn't get sued uh, for all of us. And um, yeah, so literally like days after that they do this early access launch, they're just like, hey, um, after all the blood, sweat, and tears that we've had over the last five launch. years. It wasn't an early access launch. What's that? It was a full launch. It wasn't no. This was no. This was early access. They didn't even go full launch. They didn't get anybody's money. Apparently, no. They did. They charge everybody, but they're doing full refunds across yeah. Steam and everything. It was a full game launch. Well, regardless, they they are closed. They decided after all of years of hard work and dedication and free labor that they were able to get off of community service and uh, you know freebies from you know, out there in the world that they were going to close the studio. And, you know, we don't have it noted here, uh, but I, apparently it's a rumor, but apparently they rebranded their name and changed their name to like another studio. Yeah. And pe people are anticipating it's another con to try and like get away with creating something and then relaunching whatever it may be. And they've apparently launched games in the past. I'm not hundred percent aware of all of their titles. Yeah. So they did um, prop night which was actually like a pretty uh, well-received game and had some traction behind it online. Uh, but that was like the biggest project. They had a number of unreleased projects that they had worked on. Actually, uh, Skill Up did a really good video that goes over this whole fiasco and goes into a little bit more depth on the brothers who uh, made the company and kind of were the ringleaders on this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, it's been just such a crazy <laughs> journey from like them talking and hyping this up. And now they've deleted all of the social accounts. They removed all of the videos off of their YouTube for all of the trailers and everything that they ever had up. They basically tried to get away with everything here. And it's like, if you look at, uh, I think they went over some of their like financials and they had like $25,000 a year in like travel expenses and things like it was bananas like the money mm -hmm. these guys were making and trying to get volunteers to work on this game and then it just comes and it turns out to be like basically a giant asset flip too like most of the things that are in the game were just pre-made assets for uh the unity client or the unity engine unreal yeah. engine and they just you know flipped it <laughs> So I actually, I was reading a lot of like comments on Twitter and such, um, or X over the last, since we saw this come out and, uh, there's a number of bots actually 
or if it's not bots, prior employees or people that have these accounts who are saying, man, like it's so disappointing, but they close the, uh, the doors on this publishing company or whatever, or development company. God. And, uh, I had 15 to 20 hours into the day before, and I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic for what it was. God. And like, it's just scattered. It's like random people saying like, they loved the game and it was so great. And they wish that they would continue developing it. I'm like, where the hell are these people coming from? So like yeah. all these, there's like these comments back that go either you're a bot or you're an idiot. Right. Like if yeah. you truly enjoyed this game. Um, and some people are like, I, I played the game too. And I thought it was absolute trash. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So Anyone who can get a refund should. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, cause there's not going to be any more, you know, obviously support on it anyways. So, I mean, if there's bugs and, and other things in there, good luck. And then one guy said, well, can we just have it like, put out for like open development, like open source code so we can all improve on it as a community. And this one guy was like, well, you could just go to the Unreal Engine and, and there you go. Yeah, like, you're all good. You don't have to do much of anything. It's all copy paste anyways. Yeah. So I th- yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, I think that the biggest lesson in all of this is just like how much hype can amount to nothing. Like, I mean, these guys had like a billboard in Times Square. This was like the most wish listed game on Steam, like all of this. And it just turned out to be nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's just it's insane. Um, I'm curious to see if there will be like further developments on the executives that led this company. Yeah. And like it, there's lawsuits and other things that follow. So stay tuned to the game players to see if Maybe anything we else. get a good documentary about this in five years. Maybe. Yeah, that, that'd actually be pretty cool. So maybe one of those like videos on YouTube. It's like this long yeah. expose on like this particular company. So we'll see. Uh, you know, in other news about things dying, uh, E3 is officially over. Uh, it's gone forever. And this is Ash so Parish at Viverge. What's that? So sad. So sad. Um, so really, you know, long story short, COVID, all of these things, of course, contributed to E3 and its demise, but this goes further back. So when you start looking into uh, E3 as a whole, you know, you got to look back at Nintendo and what they were doing with their digital programming to showcase, you know, new games, Sony State of Plays, Xbox, and what they're doing virtually as well. So a lot of the companies have been opting to do their own you know, showcases essentially of their other video games. And what that's amounted to is uh, those companies not putting in a deeper investment into E3. And we saw that years past prior to COVID where Sony said, hey, we're not coming. Or Mm -hmm. it was Microsoft saying, hey, we're not coming either. Nintendo, I think, was one of the first ones to back out. Yeah. Um, And so you really ended up having like Ubisoft and all these other companies that were, you know, getting the main stage and even they started backing out. So well, and they couldn't carry the whole like show. Like they only have a couple of games to show and they don't have 15 minutes of footage that they want to play for each of those two games. Yeah. And so what you ended up having is an event that was originally like a four of a press type of an event. It was very tight knit. It was, you know, really four of the press and you just had it, it, different different era right and how we do things today with the uh the, the promotion of video games i mean you had when they started opening it up to fans and stuff you had all these demos on the floor and all these cool things that you could see and experience and, and like that's all great but i think what really kind of was the end demise here of or really the demise of e3 was just not growing the way that they needed to grow and evolving as an event 
to to really kind of capture what they needed to do. So super expensive setups, um, you know, having these massive multi-million dollar booth setups at events for these companies, charging however much they charge to be able to have the main stage for, you know, showcasing their games. And then you got folks like Sony saying, well, we could do that at a fraction of a cost, get the same amount of reach to the fans who are just as important as the uh, the editors and, uh, and writers here within the media. And, and we don't have to, like, there's just a lot of budget cuts that, that were able to happen that can go towards other things by not doing an E3. And I think when you look at something like the game awards, the game awards is really like what the fans are wanting, right? The trailers and everything else. Like that's what we as fans expected from E3 to see trailers and to see all of the, the talks of what's happening. We could still do that with Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo coming to us directly outside of an E3. Like that's how we were viewing it anyways. So, you know, I I get it. Like financially, it didn't make sense for these companies. Financially, it didn't make sense for E3 to reduce, you know, the footprint of some of these larger companies. And with things going in a more digital era anyways, it just makes sense. You know, it's gone. Yeah, I think it's... uh... It's a shame. I, I really always enjoyed E3. I mean, we basically get that from Keeley now anyways with Summer Game Fest. And then we get Winter E3 with the Game Awards. Although, you know, there was a lot of backlash to the Game Awards this year with just like how the presentation was done. So who knows how much that'll change. And I mean, that's the thing. Keeley needs to keep adapting and keep changing and listening to the feedback because he doesn't want it to die out like E3 has. You know, he understands that you need to be nimble and you need to make adjustments as you go and just keep trying to do better. And he does a really good job with what he does. And I think that, you know, with E3 gone, there is, you know, a good replacement to, you know, lead on into the future here. Uh, I always wish I could have gone, but never got to go. So sucks. Well, and when you when you kind of look at the difference between those two game awards and E3, I don't think game awards is going anywhere anytime soon. Summer Games Fest, maybe, but even that is, you know, a little different than E3 was. I mean, E3, again, like a major part of finances that backed that event were coming from, you know, booths being set yeah. up, rental spaces, uh, the main stage, sponsorships, that type of stuff. Whereas something like the game awards is, hey, we're putting on this event yeah you can pay us to showcase your trailers because all eyes are on the fact that we have you know these video games that are being promoted right that you know via like best in show or whatever or you know game of the year and all this other stuff so you know i i think when you kind of look at that and then you're bringing in a lot of industry folks to kind of experience this and celebrate gaming as a whole it's a lot different than e3 which is very much a corporate push for showing what these corporations are doing. And it was more of the technical aspects of what you can expect from these companies versus what you can expect from these companies from a gaming perspective, not necessarily from a financial, monetary, all of these other things that normally it was just a media was privy to and then expanded out. And yes, it grew in some in some areas, uh, you know, to, to try and differentiate itself from what it once was, but I don't think they did enough. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think... You know, we'll see how things move forward in the future. Uh, I really, (laughs) the best thing I can hope for to get out of the death of E3 is I want a really nice coffee table book that goes through the whole history of E3, 
highlights some of the stuff, pictures from the show floor. I think that that would be really nice. And I imagine somebody out there will put together if there hasn't already been one, but just now that it's, it's finally capped off, that would be something that, you know, I don't have any of those kind of gaming books. I know that there's lots of, you know, we've talked to a couple of people who are writing them and we've seen some people at cons that are selling really awesome books, but I think a history of E3, if you're yeah. a writer, write that. Well, and so I would never say never, by the way, like, yeah, it says E3 is gone forever, right? I don't buy that. You know, I could see five, 10 years down the road. It's, hey, it's a reimagining of what E3 was. We're back type of oh, thing, dude, right? Yeah, but they'll have to call it E4. <laughs> I, I guess I, well, no, not really. I mean, it stood for what? Electronics yeah. Expo something. I don't remember. Um, but either way, I could see that happening like five to 10 years, like E3 returns. And there being a ton of hype on that. Like they learn from the lessons. They see what the now competitors or former competitors are doing. You know, what can they do that's the same, if not different? How can they really stand out as this new event? Uh, and at what time during the year can they do that? Because you still have Tokyo Game Show or uh, Tokyo Games Expo or whatever. Um, you still got PAX and all these other events out there that are doing great things. Um, so I could see them returning, but obviously it's not in the immediate future. Um, all right. So I guess it's sticking to our theme today of, you know, bad news. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons owner. We're giving you off. all the coal this week. All of it, all of it. Because next week is good stuff, right? We hope. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons owner lays off 1,100 staff two weeks before Christmas to keep Hasbro healthy. Uh, and this was Chase Carter at Dicebreaker. So really, long story short, um, yeah, Hasbro has laid off 1,100 employees after laying off 800 employees earlier in the year. Um, they had 6,400 employees, I believe, to start the year. And so obviously they've laid off 1,900 uh, total. But we don't know how many new hires have come during that period of time either. Because when you do lay off, you typically lay off folks that have much higher pay and then you can kind of bring in you know new blood that's lower pay sometimes yeah. uh, to do very similar work so i get it um the idea was that they were going to be saving um upwards of 300 million dollars by 2025 initially with their staff layoffs earlier in the year so i mean in if you're looking at it from that respect they're probably saving upwards to 500 to 600 million by laying off an additional 1100 employees uh by 2025 so I understand from a corporate America standpoint why they're doing it. I totally get that piece. It sucks with the timing. That's absolutely ridiculous to do that just before the holidays for people. And, you know, th they're thriving in a lot of areas. I mean, their D&D stuff, from what I understand, is thriving. Magic is making more money than ever. Um, you know, it's it's very much like, you know, it's popular right now. Like, it's in. So are they trying to because they have so much product in the market right now, are they trying to just lay off enough people because they know they're making a ton of money and they can, you know, capitalize on that right now. Yep. Infinite you know, growth. I, yeah. I just, I don't, the timing just seems very odd. And like, is this going to lead to like delays and cancellations of certain product as well? Like we've already seen, you know, some of the D and D stuff got pushed back you know, earlier this year, like back in October, we we're supposed to have a release and that got pushed back. I'm still waiting on certain books uh, because I think it's a deck of many things book and the cards. I'm still waiting on that stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's canceled. I don't know if it's getting pushed back again. I have no idea. And is this part of it? Maybe. Are we going to see further issues like that down the road that negatively impact the business of Hasbro 
And it, it wasn't just D&D, &D, by the way. This affected Wizards of the Coast as well. So, I mean, you're talking magic stuff also being impacted. So yeah. I, I think it's, I don't get it. You're having yeah. great financial success. You're already going to save $300 million. You're cutting these people out during a period where you have like peak items that are being released or are in development. It, why not cut them after the holidays? Why not cut them, you know, prior to uh, or after these products are released? Maybe it's for tax purposes, you know, paying out. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I forget the term, but paying Severance? people out. What's that? Severance. Severance. Severance pay maybe for tax purposes or cutting these people prior to the holidays. So the severance pay gets factored in and then they can go ahead and, you know, add that to tax breaks that I don't know. Yeah. I mean, whatever they're doing, they're doing it for greedy reasons that don't involve making any sacrifices themselves in a year that they've already been, you know, making record profits on, you know, this section of their company specifically. I mean, not to mention like, you know, the success of the Barbie movie, um, Baldur's Gate three, the D and D uh, movie, yeah, the D and D movie. The uh, actually the uh, CEO of Larian Studios, developer of Baldur's Gate, uh, Sven Vinke, he made a tweet, uh, you know, thanking them for their cooperation and you know helping them with their success and winning the game award. And he said in that tweet that it's a, it's a sad thing to realize that of the people who were in the original meeting room, there's almost nobody left. So, yeah. you know, having helped them, you know, institutionally as the holders of this property, you know, they were immensely helpful, I'm sure, in the creation of this product. And they're all gone, you know, just for some more corporate greed. It's just one of those things like corporations are never your friend. Hasbro is a soulless, evil company that will just keep draining things dry and keep trying to save a buck here and there. And they don't really give a shit about anyone. Yeah. I mean, really uh, Hasbro CEO, Chris Cox is definitely living up to the name for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, go into our inflation deflation for the week. Some, some good fun here uh, to kind of cap off the episode. So, we played some Golden Axe on the Sega Genesis. There's multiple versions of Golden Axe all over the place, but uh, this one specifically is developed by Sega, published by Sega, directed by uh, Makoto Uchida. I actually think I got that one. Uh, it was released in December of 1989. It is a beat-em-up hack-and-slash title uh, with general reception around a 9 out of 10. So, Brian, synopsis, please. Yeah, so in this game, you choose from one of three heroes to set out on a journey to defeat Death Adder and rescue the princess and the king of your land. Uh, it's a pretty classic tale, widely seen as taking a lot of inspiration from Conan and other, you know, uh, action fantasy uh, type genre that I, I feel like we don't really see as much anymore today. Uh, it was originally an arcade release. And uh, the home console version added some more stuff to it. But overall, I mean, it's a pretty, you know, light on story. Just move to the right and punch dudes and jump kick dudes and whatever you can. I mean, I played as the, the chick. I had a sword and I could do like a spinning like attack behind me, a jump attack and just like a swinging combo. And I could throw people. It was pretty good. I... I enjoyed it. I found it pretty difficult, though. 
Yeah, I mean, I it's had to cheat a lot. Yeah, so it is difficult, in my opinion, on the home console, which is what I stated earlier, and a lot easier playing an arcade cab. So playing on an arcade cab, this game is easy peasy, dude. Like it's it's actually a very good game. Is it it's really? Of, oh yeah, it's I played so, on arcade mode too. Well, I played on arcade mode as well, but I mean, it comes down to how you're controlling. If you had like an arcade cabinet joystick and the buttons, it, in my opinion, it's much easier to control than if you're playing on a home console. That's really at the end of the day what I how I. Well, I was look using at that a one. joystick. I wasn't using a D-pad. I was playing on Switch, so I could also uh, rewind time and go back and fix mistakes that I well, made. So, I mean, people listening are going to be able to hear us, but you know, like with a, you know, a joystick on a thing, you can go like tap, tap really fast to yeah. be able to do a run. Whereas with your thumb, a thumbstick on a, you know, Nintendo Switch, it's a little different because you got to like go like this. It's uh-huh. not as quick of a movement. So when it came down to being able to move around, like the joystick just adds like that ability to kind of quickly maneuver where you need to. Um, whereas the, the, you know, thumb pad really, or thumb joystick, however you want to call it. Did you play on the Retron? Uh, I did, which has the little joystick as well, but it's just still so difficult. I mean, it's not the same. It'd probably be better on a D-pad then because you could just double tap the button. You can, yeah. On a D-pad, it would definitely be better uh, for sure. The Retron controller is the worst. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I considered putting in my like Sega Genesis controller to play it, but still, I mean, I just I was lazy. Um, I did get to like stage four or five. I don't remember. Yeah, same here. but it was still difficult to to play through like that. Um, you know, I played as the guy. I don't remember the exact name of who it was, but uh, I played as him. It's really kind of slow paced when you're using like the joystick on a controller compared to a, a cab. And, um, you know, I did find it to be very difficult to play on that. Uh, I did enjoy the mechanics of the game. You know, it's definitely a nine out of 10 game. In my opinion, it still holds up very well today. It's just a matter of like how you decide to play it. And the cabinet's just the far superior version in this instance. And I don't think I've really said that often in when we play console and cabinet games, there's a lot that translate pretty well. This is one that I think doesn't translate as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get down to brass tacks here. Uh, complete inbox copy that'll run you thirty nine seventy four. That peaked at fifty five twenty nine back in October of twenty twenty one. That's currently trending down. Loose copy will run you eighteen thirty five. That peaked at twenty six forty one back in November of twenty twenty one. That's currently trending up. You can get access to this on a digital console through the NSO expansion pass. Uh, there's also the Sega Vintage Collection on Xbox 360, which you can download digitally via Xbox for $9.99, and that's the first three games, I guess. It's like a collection. Or you can go to Steam and purchase Golden Axe for $0.99. Cents. Alternatively, if you want a far superior experience, uh, you can go to Best Buy and pick up the Golden X Arcade One Up for four hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my gosh! And uh, you can you can the play most it. Expensive version of this game. Yeah, if you want the true experience, like that's the way to go. Or I mean, if you could pick up some sort of like, you know, arcade cab style joystick setup that you can put into your system, and they do have that on the Genesis. If you decide to go Genesis route. And you have that, but there's options that you can go to kind of give you a better experience. I should have done that. I should have hooked up my, my, my whole setup, you know, um, maybe next time that that comes to, to be an issue. Um, I think, uh, you know, like I said, nine out of 10 for sure. I think it's a great game, even if it doesn't translate as well on the console. 39.74 to me is just steep. I don't know how anybody's paying 55 bucks for this game. 
in my opinion, it's always been like, I've always viewed this as a very low cost, easy to find title. Like I've seen this game come across tons of times. So I, I don't know why it's so expensive yeah. at 3974. And now that you can get it through a number of different areas. I mean, and it's been, when you look at those like Sega Genesis built-ins or whatever, it's like, you know, all the games kind of in there to add yeah. game stuff. I think Golden X is like a frequent, yeah, like always be on a it. a bunch of those Sega Yeah, it's, it's in a ton of those. Like if you really want to experience Golden X, I would there's go that route. ways to do it. Yeah, there's tons of ways. I mean, 99 cents on Steam. Like you said, it's on Nintendo Expansion Pass. You've got it on the 360 Vintage Collection, digital for $9.99. I mean, I think that's the way to go. Wait out. Like you could just wait until you get find a reasonable copy because it's not pressing. I mean, it's a it's a good game, but it's a it's not a game that like you couldn't wait to play later. Like if you already have never played it, not a big hurry to get there, even if it's a good game. Yeah, if you're in the Arizona area, go to Starfighters. Go play it there, right? It's like 10 bucks. There you go. Go enjoy yourself for a few hours of of game time. Hog up that arcade machine and set the free play anyway. So unlimited quarters and uh, and have at it. Um, yeah, I think 3974, I would say that this is completely inflated. Far more options out there that are cheaper for this title. If what about loose? Really, uh, loose copy, 20 bucks. Honestly, like this is a game that I'm so conflicted because like the price point to me doesn't reflect to what I've known as a collector for this title. What do you think? I've I've always seen this game complete in box for like 20 bucks at most, maybe $15. So it's just baffling to me to see it so high right now. Like I'm just actually, I'm kind of like in sticker shock moment right now with this title. I didn't think it was this high. So, you know, I think if you're looking at complete in box, you could find it for 20 bucks. I think that that's fine. If you're looking at a loose copy for 18, like I'd pick it up for 10 bucks. Like, I don't think it's, it's a good game, but I don't think it's worth that much. Yeah. I mean, historically you're looking at, you know, probably what you remember because like, according to the data on price charting, I mean, the complete in box tracking starts in like 2013 and it's like 13 bucks complete in box. And then it doesn't go over. It doesn't go over thirty dollars until twenty twenty. Yeah, there you uh, go. I mean, copy still like fifteen. And and that's your like COVID pricing like right yeah. away, right? That twenty twenty. So realistically, I was seeing this as like at most a twenty twenty five dollar game, and that was three years ago. So like everything else has shot up. But I just to me, this has always been a super common game. So I don't. I don't understand the uh, the nostalgia behind this one. Yeah. And like going up so high. And it's a short game too. So it's not like it's a very long game. I mean, um, looking at recent sales, I mean, you can still get like a cartridge only for like 11 bucks, 12 bucks. I mean, these are all averages of what's going on. So, I mean, you could definitely get it for a better deal. I would say, yeah, anything over 15 bucks is probably too much. So we'll probably call this one inflated then. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's inflated for sure. Okay. Sweet. Cool. Well, um, I guess I'll check to see if I've got Shinobi 2 on some form of console or, or game, Game Gear. Yeah, I still got to recap my Game Gear, uh, but I can. I think I can play Game Gear on the Retron. So I'll go that route if I need to. Cool. Um, and so we'll see if maybe that's our next game. Uh, and then 
what's the schedule wise? So next week is Christmas Eve. So obviously we'll do a virtual, I don't know if we're recording New Year's Eve. We'll figure that out. I mean, we are, but I don't know if we'll be recording in person or, or not. We'll figure um, things out. Yeah, we'll figure it all out. That'll depend. That'll determine if we do like Golden X PS3, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been episode 265 of the Game of Players podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening.